Welcome to Maximizing Life in the Middle, a podcast featuring two people consciously living and loving as husband and wife, parents, and individuals working to make the most out of their lives. I'm Jay Taylor. And I am Aaron Taylor, and we are so happy that you are spending some time with us today. Episode 12 of Maximizing Life in the Middle. Mm-hmm. Today, I wanted to do a special episode to talk about Hurricane Harvey, since that seems to be on everyone's mind. So this is a timely podcast to do. Yeah, I think... Um... We're hopeful that we're recording it right now and that it will be up hopefully in the next day so that anybody who's listening to it is getting the information or the information we're talking about is is in a very timely manner. Right. So um, by this time, probably unless you live under a rock, you know what's been going on in the Houston and surrounding areas in eastern Texas. And it's just a catastrophic situation that's uh, evolving down there. And so I wanted to take some time today to talk about some positive, hopeful things. Because it can be so depressing and scary and stressful and worrisome. Especially if you're a victim of the storm of this nature or just watching it on the news and seeing what's happening to them. It can bring out all kinds of difficult emotions that are upsetting. But at times like this, particularly, I always like to turn to things that feel good, make me feel better. And one of the things that I always find in these kinds of situations is the resiliency of the human spirit and the goodness of others. And I've seen so many stories and I've read so many stories about heroic acts on the part of policemen, first responders, firemen, firewomen, fire people, um, and regular old citizens who don't, who are just volunteering their time. I've heard stories about people who have gotten their families to safety and then they turn back around in their, well, probably not car, but most likely boat, and then go back and rescue more people. Once their family is to safety, they go back and help others. And it's incredible. And so... Another thing that I hear so much from the different residents that have been interviewed on TV or in articles that I've read is their resilient spirit. I heard so many things. You know, this storm has been terrible, and yes, I lost my house, but we're going to come back stronger than ever, and we're going to be just fine, and we're going to stick together, we're going to help each other out. And it's just incredible how 
strong the human spirit is. Yeah, and you know, with that particular area, though, you know, it's not like Louisiana and Texas are that close to each other, but after what they dealt with with the last situation... Katrina. Katrina. uh, You know, it's... I will say that somehow or other that it feels like the nation, the nation, the area, that particular area, while you can't do anything about the size of the storm or the destruction and kind of deluge that it's going to that is going to do that it feels like somehow or other that the response has been better in some ways than what happened in Louisiana during Katrina and I guess that was also a case of they didn't they kind of undercalled it at that point underestimated Katrina massively right and then it turned out to be so much worse but you know, maybe lesson learned, and if nothing else, that's like another positive we had in this area. You know, again, when I say in this area, we're 40 miles from the shoreline of New Jersey, but certainly a number of, you know, Hurricane Sandy that came up the New Jersey coast four or five years ago was a devastating storm in terms of our shoreline. Our shoreline, but wasn't really necessarily. Uh, at least if memory serves correct, wasn't a loss of life kind of a thing. And, you know, I've heard of a couple of, you know, poor people who lost their lives in this storm, but nothing compared to what sort of Katrina. What happened in Katrina. Yeah, and and sort of Yeah, that was just devastating. The Chinese fire drill that was (laughs) the response to that situation and how uh, how unprepared they were for that. So and lack of coordination. So I think their co- the coordination between the different government agencies has seemed to me at least in these early days to be much more streamlined and a, much more of a coordinated effort. Right. Which is great. But I I read today about um a shelter that was housing I don't know. I might get my numbers wrong, but I think they were housing 3,000 people mm-hmm. that started taking on water. So then they had to evacuate the evacuees from the shelter to a different location, to a school. To another shelter. Yeah, to a school that wasn't flooded. So, I mean, what's going on down there is just terrible. And I know those of us who live far away are just watching it, uh, feeling all kinds of different feelings. But... I think helpless is probably a word that comes to mind. Um, So in this episode, we're going to talk about some ways that you can help when we get near the end of this episode. Um, But I love how there have been people coming, like volunteers to just come from other parts of Texas or surrounding states, and they just drive a couple hours to show up, bring their boat, and then they hop on a boat and just go start rescuing people. It's incredible. There's this thing, I don't know if you read about these guys, but they're called they call themselves the Cajun Navy. Have you heard about them? Mm-hmm. 
So they started, they kind of um, coined themselves the Cajun Navy after Katrina. And so it's this group of people from Louisiana, probably close to New Orleans, I would guess, for the most part. But they just showed up in mass in eastern Texas. Hmm. I don't know if it was Sunday or Monday or whatever, but they showed up in mass with their boats and they just said, okay, let's go rescue people. And they just went day after day, hour after hour, rescuing people. Yeah. And they were the Cajun Navy. So a huge Cajun shout Navy. out to the Cajun <laughs> Navy, which I think is an awesome name <laughs> for a group of fantastic, heroic volunteers. And then speaking of volunteering, I saw a photo today where there was a huge line like that stretched down the block. And the, the, the caption said, do you think this is a line for hurricane victims waiting to get food or supplies? No, it's actually not. It's a line of volunteers right. waiting to get the chance to help. And I think that's so beyond fabulous. And I have a friend on Facebook who went down to volunteer and she couldn't work that particular shift. I think they're doing it in shifts of four hours or something. Okay. She couldn't work that particular shift or the next two shifts because they were all filled up with volunteers. Huh. So she had to wait till the next morning to volunteer her time because they had too many volunteers. Right. That is such an awesome problem to have in a situation like this. And so I think that what we see is that, you know, I, I think... The, the point that I want to make, I guess before I make that point, I want to tell you this story, too. I, I saw a photo of a human chain helping a man who was trapped in a submerging car in the floodwater. Mm. So they were hand in, hand in hand, linked out to this car floating in the middle of Endanger what looked like a river. Yeah, yeah endangered themselves. Yeah. And they were helping this man get to safety so he didn't get washed away with the flood. Now, what they were doing, like you said, was probably dangerous for them as well. But, wow, the lengths that people are going to to help other people, it's just, it it just fills my heart with so much uh, wonder, awe, gratitude. Mm -hmm. It really does. I think that you know, our nation, particularly in the U.S., our nation, has been very tumultuous in this political Divided. climate. Yeah, it's been very, it's been very strained and stressful. No matter what side of the aisle you stand on, or what your beliefs are, or what politician or political party or ideology you support or believe in or back or whatever, it's been a very divisive. Atmosphere in our country lately, and it, that part has been um, difficult to watch and kind of disheartening. But then something like this happens, and you see people literally reaching their hand out to help their neighbor or the, a stranger, and you have people showing up out of nowhere to help. And this is the human condition. This is the human spirit at its finest. We rise during some of the darkest times. And I think that 
we need to hold on to that kind of um, awareness and understanding because when things are now this is a bad time with this hurricane devastation our political climate I, I would say it's an acute crisis kind of a situation our political climate's just been kind of like a meandering marathon of just daily very stressful feelings that a lot of different people have right um so that's just kind of wears you down over time but then you see things like this and you see that resilient human spirit and we really are all one and a a devastation like this a, a catastrophic event like this really equalizes everyone it doesn't matter if you live in a mansion it doesn't matter if you live in a trailer park it doesn't matter if you live in a tent a flood is a flood is a flood and it's going to hit anybody. They don't. It doesn't care what kind of money you make or don't make. Whether you're homeless, employed, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Whether you're you you do good in the world or you don't do well in the world. It doesn't matter. And when people are in that situation, it really equalizes them, and then they help each other. Right. And it's so heartening. I think. You know, I. And, you know, I, I can see your list as uh, you've made a list of, of kind of things. Many times we kind of wing our respective uh, podcasts. We might have a general topic of what we want to talk about, but we just sort of let things flow. But I see you slowly but surely crossing things off. But I I, I want to jump down to the bottom one because that is when you said that, so, so backtrack to what it is. It is uh, your uh, mentor, your uh, guiding light, your yeah, my beacon, uh, your beacon, the, the sort of the person who who you have learned so much from, and who continues to be somebody who inspires you is Doctor Shafali. Yes, and um, in the wake of the disaster, there was, you know, sort of a normal um, broadcast that she does um, on a weekly basis. And uh, it's not a weekly thing, but it was just she did a Facebook Live. So okay. we'll put the link in the show notes. But if you go to Dr. Shafali on Facebook, her Facebook page, that's where you would find that Facebook Live from today and or yesterday. Right, so it, so you you were bringing up her point that she discussed in it, and we we had two episodes not too too long ago about the idea of decluttering. Yes, and we had a we had another little you know sort of looking around the house and going, oh my god, look at all this stuff. We've got to just purge, which we did some of that kind of late last week. And then Dr. Shafali came on and spoke about, you know, and, and she has just an interesting way, you know, where, whereas I think a lot of us might be glued to the TV and watching the floodwaters rise or might be the kind of person who just puts their head in the sand and doesn't want yeah, to watch the TV. Yeah, right. And, and. You I'm know, sitting I, across the table from one of them. <laughs> well, again, to me. There is no real value to be had to sitting and watching the Weather Channel 24-7 during a disaster 
someplace else if I can't, if I don't have the wherewithal to be able to go to that place and help. I'll make the donation that I'm, you know, we're normally going to make to help support those kind of things. And I empathize with what the people are going through. But at the end of the day, sitting and watching coverage for hour upon hour doesn't do any good. It doesn't, it doesn't do you any good. You're, you, that's It doesn't just, help me, yes, yes. Right. Just me. It helps me. Right, right. Because and I dive you feel into in it tune and then. With what's going on and that's an important part for you processing what's going on for me that's not the kind of thing that that would fuel me but right and everybody's different right but when so you were speaking to what dr shafali had said in the wake of this crisis and i mean her her point was an interesting one and one that probably not a lot of people right now are sitting there and saying, oh, yeah, here's what we can take away from this. But well, let me not let's not um, uh, skip over the, skip over the fact that she started the whole thing by obviously talking about how impacted everyone has been by by seeing what's going on down there and how. All of our hearts and prayers and thoughts are out, going out to the people down there, and you know it's it's she making did everything us all, that you, that everyone else you would, would expect, say. Right. and that you that you uh, naturally should do the kinds of things that you know every human being, as long as you're not like a nut, a serial killer, yeah, a serial killer. Would say and feel about this. But then... She always takes it to the next level, which I love. She transitioned to another level. And it was a level of thought that, you know, I don't think a lot of... Our our cat cat is is desperate to to come in and hang out. To get in and hang out with us. If you hear that crying in the background. But she went to a level of thought about it that not a lot of people would. And that was that this disaster for her pointed out or emphasized or put a gigantic bold spotlight spotlight on how that we need to detach from our possessions yes that we need to that as as people we have in many cases we probably have too much stuff and that the va- let's say the vast majority of people have Far too much stuff, far more than they need. Right. We have far more than we need. The vast majority. We are too attached to those things that we that we have, and yet the vast majority of those things that we have and that some of which we might be attached to, we aren't actually using for the thing that they're intended or for the use or whatever the case may be. Or that often to justify being so attached to it. Correct. And... You know, it, it was funny because somewhere I don't know how, I don't know when you said it to me or how you said it to me or what the con like I don't remember when it was said to me, but it was probably Tuesday morning or maybe it was Monday or maybe it was said you said it Monday to me Monday and then Tuesday morning as I was working out. And a lot of times when I work out in the basement, I also use like space between my sets and workouts to go into the back of the basement and try and tidy up my comic book collection which is vast 
mm-hmm. and uh, at times overwhelming and is a whole lot of paper that is sitting in the lowest lying part of our house. Mm-hmm. Well, it's up about six inches, but that's about it. Right. And if... If we lived in Houston, that would be gone. I mean, if we lived in Houston, everything would be gone. Maybe but, not the second floor, but yeah. But if we lived in... If we had a minor flood here, those that comic book collection... Well, the bottom row would be wrecked. Would be in trouble. Yeah. Right? And I was thinking about that, and it was... It was it was rattling around in my head. And of course, immediately I was like, oh, oh no, that would be... That Devastating. Would be. Now, you know, when you're sitting there talking about the people who are going through the stuff that they're going through in Texas, you, yeah, you don't I, think devastating. You no. think, man, that, that would stink. stink. That, that stinks. Stink. Yeah. But then it also got me thinking like, why do I have... 15,000 comic books. That is a question I've wondered for 26 years now. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that I have 15,000 comic books is because I kind of get a certain joy out of saying I have 15,000 comic books. It's all form, dear. It's all form. Right. Which is the point, I guess, that I'm, I'm working my way around to, but you want to try and jump me to it ahead of time. I know. But then there's also, like, so I was sitting there thinking about it, and I was like, well, yeah, but also, like, I have those comic books because what if I want to reread them? What if I want to read something? Like, what if I want to read those comic books? But yet, there's a pile. A never-ending pile of things you haven't read yet. away. In my in my office of the things that I kind of currently am trying to read, there's a box in our dining room, which is the next things to add to that pile when I get done those. I can't even. And then there's thousands of books down there that are, oh, well, I'm going to read them or I'm waiting on some other comic book that I'm going to acquire that's going to make sense to then read those other books. All while, to touch on something else that we've talked about in the past, I'm also a comic creator. And so there's a, you know, there's sort of like a push-pull there of, oh, you've got free time. Well, should you be reading a comic book? Or should you be creating and expressing your, your creativity by making a comic? So it really, you know, it kind of uh, drew into a very um, harsh spotlight in some regards. Some of those ideas that I've had from time to time about what is the point of that? You know, and there was also a time when I thought, oh, well, somewhere along the line, our kids will be interested and they'll want to read these. Just like when I was a kid, I had a friend who had a gigantic comic collection and I just serially blew through every book that he had i just like i just borrowed 50 comics at a time from him read them and devoured them but to this point our children generally speaking haven't expressed a ton of interest in that a little bit here and there but generally speaking not a ton of interest Mm 
Not enough interest to justify keeping 15,000 comic books. So what is the point? I don't think we're going to figure that out this episode, unless you've figured it out and you haven't told me. I know neither. I haven't figured it out. I don't know what the answer is. I know that, you know, there's there's things in this house that I can look at and go, yeah, that's superfluous. We should be getting rid of that. We should figure out a way to to move that along to somebody else who will use it and love it. Or if it's not uh, in good condition, get rid of it. And there's things that I could point out probably of yours that I could say, well, hey, here's something. And you might say, oh, I don't, I'm not ready to, not ready to part with that. And I don't think I'm ready to part with my comic books, but it certainly gives you a pause. And especially when Dr. Shafali talks about, you know, all those possessions that you have are just, you know, just things, they're just things they are drag, you know, and they're, they're kind of dragging behind you. Mm hmm. And they're... It's weight on it's your weight life. It's weight and it's... And it's at risk. Yeah, it's just... it's just, All these possessions are... And I think it's particularly endemic. Is that the right word? In America. Just collecting stuff and stuff. Stuffing your homes. New homes have bigger closets than homes of the 50s. Why is that? Because we have more stuff. We need, we need more, we need more space hiding to places to stuff it all. It's ridiculous, the amount of stuff that the majority of people have. And it does weigh you down. And if you spend any time Googling minimalist living, decluttering things, there are lots of blogs that I've read and fabulous people who are leading the charge on that kind of lifestyle. And... They talk about the cost of an item, not just the amount of money you pay for it, but the amount of t- the, the time it takes you to go to the store, pick it out, bring it home. And in different cases, you know, maybe you have to match up color samples to see if it works in your room or whatever. Bring it home, put it where it is. So you spent the money, you spent the time looking for it, going to pick it up, bring it home. Then you have to spend time cleaning it, repairing it, maintaining it replacing it and then you're back to that cycle again back to the store look at the thing test it to see if it works where it's supposed to go clean it repair it maintain it replace it and it's just such a hassle oh my goodness gracious so one of the other things she said that one of the reactions it caused in her was a desire to just give things away Um, she's fairly minimalist as far as I can tell from what I know of her and from what I've seen of her house. And she still wants to give stuff away. She still feels like she has more than she needs. And she's probably right. You know, it's all on a continuum, but she wanted to give stuff away. She wanted to give it to people who could use it, who needed it, who couldn't afford to buy that for themselves, whatever it is, clothes, a piece of furniture, whatever. And I love that idea. And I thought about that too, like looking around our house and if it flooded, if we lived in Houston or down there in East Texas somewhere and the water level was (laughs) nearly up to the second floor, it would be very stressful. No matter how hard you try to detach from your stuff, it's just like it's just a devastating 
situation. Mm-hmm. And, and it's happening down there to countless right. families, households, people. It's just unreal. So I think that we should um, leave our listeners with that thought to ponder their own stuff, belongings, possessions. Pretty soon we're going to be labeled as the decluttering podcast. I know, right? <laughs> and what what of those possessions are truly truly bring value to your life? Are something that you truly need or want? And want is a tricky word, but are something you truly need to function in your daily life? And what you can actually stand apart with? Because the less physical possessions you have to be in charge of and responsible for, the lighter your load in life. So I think we'll leave them with that. But then I also wanted to leave them with a couple of ways that we can help the victims of Hurricane Harvey. And this is going to change day by day, week by week. Things will crop up new organizations will ask for new things but as of today and today is Wednesday as of today this is what I can offer our listeners so this will post on Thursday but I think this will still be relevant in a couple of hours Um, one of my friends lives in Houston or just outside of Houston and she said her church has a Hurricane Harvey disaster relief fund so if you go to her church, which is Gloria Day Lutheran Church, and all of these links will be in the show notes, their website is gd, like dog, lc.org. There's a big picture on the front homepage that says Hurricane Harvey Disaster Relief. So if you go there and click to make a donation, a monetary donation, you can specify disaster relief and all of the donation will go towards helping the hurricane victims. Then I have another friend in Atlanta who's very involved in the sports scene. She's actually a recruiter for the NCAA. And she shared something that I'm going to read to you here from the UH baseball office. The man's name is Todd Whitting. And he says, I would like to join in and ask all of our friends in baseball across the nation and at all levels to help. If possible, please send 20 of your program's shirts and 10 pair of shoes to Todd Whitting, UH Baseball Office, 3204 Cullen Boulevard, Houston, Texas. 77204. He says, please send what you can. Our team will make sure these items are delivered to those in need. Thanks to all the coaches around the nation who have touched base with me to check on our families in our great city of Houston. So that information will be in the show notes if you are involved in some type of baseball organization and you want to support this initiative and send some stuff their way. And then just this evening, Brene Brown did a quick little Facebook Live. She has been volunteering her time uh, doing some social work intakes and evaluations and stuff for the victims of 
Hurricane Harvey. She is a Houston resident. And she is working with an organization called Undies for Everyone. (laughs) And on her Facebook page, again, the link will be in the show notes. She was talking about the need for underwear. People donate used clothing all the time. And I know that we donate used clothing all the time. But people don't donate used underwear for obvious reasons. (laughs) But... Right now... Of all the bags and bags and bags of clothes that we've ever donated, I have never gone through the process of going to the store to purchase brand new packages of underwear to donate them with the used clothing. Mm. So she talked about how critical this is, this need is, because there's a real shortage of underwear, all different sizes, men, women, and children. And she talked about how You know, it's about dignity and cleanliness and being sanitary and just feeling better. Nobody really thinks about how important underwear is until you don't have it or you don't have a spare pair because you think about all those residents who were rescued in boats and left with the clothes on their back. I saw a baby being carried, like the baby was being held by the mom who was being carried by a rescuer. Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, that woman doesn't even have a backpack of diapers. What is she going to do with this child when she gets wherever they're headed? So, underwear. Undies for everyone. They are looking for only brand new underwear packages. Nothing used, nothing out of the package. Undies for everyone. And their address is 1700 Bissonette Street. B-I-S-S-O-N-N... Sorry. B-I-S-S-O-N-N-E-T Street. Houston, Texas, 77005. So when I saw that, I've been trying to share on my Facebook profile all the different um, things, all the different ways that people can help. Oh, one other one. You can text the word Red Cross, one word, all capital letters, Red Cross, to 9... 0999 I believe is the number and they will donate the Red Cross you will be donating $10 to the Red Cross and it will just yes 90999 bill or something. they will tack the $10 onto your cell phone bill I don't think there's a possibly an easier way to make a donation right. text five numbers 90999 and type the word Red Cross then they'll send you a, a thing back. They did when I donated. They send you a thing back to say, oh, do you really want to donate? Type yes for if you do. No, if you don't. I type yes. Bing, bang, boom. And then we'll pay $10 when we get the cell phone bill. So that's another great way to help. I've been sharing all of these things on my Facebook page so that people know what's needed and how they can get it there. And I hope that wherever you are listening to this and... Whatever your current life situation, whatever you can do, you find it in your heart to do it. Whether it's making a monetary donation, sending a package of underwear, um, sending toiletries. I know there are some um, collections for toiletries going on. Or even just sending prayers. If you're not in a position where you can send money or items, just sending prayers to these people for strength during this long marathon that they are facing. Uh, I think 
we have to all rally and join together and show our love for our fellow humans in East Texas. All right. So with that, we'll wrap up and we will be back next week, hopefully with a much lighter, uh, lighter, happier topic to discuss. Yes. All right.